Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. And I just want to tell you up front, we're going to sit here just for a minute, but then we're going to be jumping a few different places, so don't feel like you have to turn every time with me. I'll have the scripture on the screen for you. Did you know that this morning, in this very moment as we sit here together, that there is a battle and a war going on. There's a battle going on for the control of your thoughts and your minds. And you see, as we sit here this morning, we are living in the physical realm. And the Bible tells us that all around us is a spiritual realm and that there is constantly spiritual warfare that is taking place. There's a constant battle between good and evil. No, you can't see it. There is a battle for the control of your mind. And you see, so often in church settings, Christians, we always tend to focus on the physical realm of life, the physical things that we can see, that we can touch, behavior modification, things to our character. But very seldom do we take a step back and take an inward look at the war that lies within you know, uh, over the past two months, we've been walking through the book of Ephesians, and we've been talking about this idea of switch, how we're to switch from our old self, our old mind, our old life, and we're to switch as we are transformed by God's word to our new mind and to our new self. And last week, Pastor Billy preached on Ephesians chapter 6, and we talked about how we're to put on the full armor of God. Well, today, I want to continue that thinking, but instead of focusing on the battle that we see in the physical realm, I want us to focus on the battle that lies within. The title of this morning's sermon is Winning the War Within Your Mind. You see, this whole thought process for me started a few months ago when I came across a quote by Pastor Rick Warren, and it says this. It says, we as Christians need to think about what we think about. You see, when I first came across this quote, I had to pause for a second, because while this quote is yet so simple, it's yet so complex. You know, there's been so many different studies and books written and money dedicated to finding out what exactly it is that make people tick. Why are people the way they are? Why do they do what they do? And why do they make the decisions that they make? And to be honest, if you take a look at my life and yours or any human, and you try to get to the very bottom and the very core of who they are, everything starts and flows from your thoughts and your mind. Did you know that your brain contains one billion neurons? That means that there are, or sorry, 100 billion neurons. There are 100 billion different Nerve cells that are communicating your nervous system in your body, telling your body how to trigger and how to perform. Did you know that your brain can, can record 800 memories a second and not even get tired? Did you know that your brain can store 100 trillion thoughts? You see, they've been studying the brain since the beginning of time. And Back in the day, there were a bunch of myths that they believed about the brain. For a while, they believed that humans could only use up to, most humans used about 10% of their brain. And that if they could just figure out how to uh, enable more of their brain, that they could accomplish more. Well, over time, that theory has been disproven, along with the theory of 
uh, they used to say, well, you're either left-brained or you're right-brained. That has been disproven as well because as time goes on and they continue to study the brain, they keep finding out new things. You see, the brain and your mind is the most important and special tool and asset that God has given you. God has given each of us a mind so that we as humans can communicate to the God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth. You see, our brains are complex. You see, animals have brains too, and they have instincts and different things like that. But as humans, we have thoughts. We have intellect. And God, being the creator, gave us our minds so that we could know God See, everything that we do in life starts with our minds and our thoughts. Jeremiah tells us in the Old Testament that God also thinks about us. It says God knows the thoughts that he thinks about his children. And then in the New Testament, we learn that Jesus intercedes at the right hand of the Father for us. And what an amazing thought this morning that the God of the universe constantly thinks about us. So in order to win the battle within, we must learn how to control our mind and our thoughts. So today I'm going to give you seven pillars, seven thoughts to learn how to control your thoughts. So if you're taking notes today, the first one is this. My thoughts control my life, but I control my thoughts. Solomon tells us in Proverbs chapter 23, he says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart and mind, so is he. And earlier in chapter 4, he says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything that you do flows from it. You see, the mind and the brain, they're the two most important gifts that we have. They're the two most important parts of our body. And both of them communicate back and forth. You see, our heart is what pumps blood not only into our body, but into our mind so that our mind can process. And your mind is what triggers your, the rest of your body. It's what tells your heart to pump blood through your body. So what Solomon's saying he's, here is he's saying, hey, you want to know what type of person you'll become? Look at a man's thoughts. You see, you are the sum total of your thoughts. So what does that mean? That means if you want to know what type of person someone will be, Look at what they think about. So if you think about smart thoughts, there's a good chance you're going to become a smart person. If you think about dumb thoughts, there's a good chance you're going to become dumb. If you think about sinful thoughts, there's a good chance you're going to become a person who lives a sinful life. And Solomon says you are what you think because the things that we think about control our life. So the question I want you to begin to ask yourself this morning as we kind of set the table is this. What are the thoughts that I allow to enter into my mind? See, sometimes we allow good thoughts, and sometimes we allow bad thoughts. I don't know about you, but for me, every time I drive down Brainerd Road without fail, I'll be having a good day, and I'll be focused and doing everything that I need to do, and then that moment comes. Many of you experienced the moment before. I see the lit up sign, the one and only Krispy Kreme donuts. And I've been coaching myself all of that. I'm like, look, I'm going to pass the donut, but you don't, you don't need the bread. You don't need the carbs. You don't need the calories. Like, just, just keep going. 
And I'm like ready. And then the moment I see that sign and I see the little little line, the assembly line of the donuts coming out, my brain's like, oh, you need some donuts. And I'm telling you, I've got a war going on within my mind. I've got the good angel over here going, hey, you don't need the donuts. You can barely fit in your pants. And the other one's like, hey, you need these donuts. You need about two dozen chocolate ice custard filled. Can I get an amen? Oh, that's my favorite type. Yes. Some of you are like, no, I prefer the, raise your hand if you prefer traditional hot and ready. Raise your hand if you like a specialty, like a chocolate-ice customer. Okay, some of you are saved in here. Um, but anyway, I have this battle going on within my mind. Sometimes good fun thoughts, and then sometimes not so fun thoughts. Last week, Billy talked about how Satan, he whispers lies into our mind. He tells us things that aren't true. Things like this. How can you expect to be a good mother to your children? When you can't even handle the personal problems that you have in your life. Questions like, thoughts like, how do you expect to be the godly man and spiritual leader of your house when you can't even remember to pray and read your own Bible? It begins to whisper thoughts like, hey, you're not good enough. You're not good looking enough. You're not smart enough for that promotion that you think you want. There's tons of people that are smarter and more capable than you. You know what he does? He whispers these lies and these thoughts into our mind. You know what happens? We begin, after a certain amount of time, we begin to think that our thoughts control us. But folks, I'm here today to tell you, your thoughts do not control you. You control your thoughts. And sometimes, we just need to say, you know what? I've gone down this road every day this week. I've allowed Satan to put this thought into my head. And, and because of it, my life just, I, I start feeling depressed and feeling unhappy about myself. You know what? Today, I am not going to allow these thoughts to enter my mind. I'm going to put my foot down and say, you know what? No. You don't control me. I control you. We say, I'm going to choose not to allow that thought to enter my mind today. I'm going to choose joy. I'm not going to choose this thought of negativity because my thoughts control my life, but I control my thoughts. So how do we stop thinking about these things, these bad, sinful, not positive thoughts? The second pillar this morning is this. In order to change my thoughts, I must first control what I put in my mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will. You see, this verse has special meaning here at this church because we believe at Burning Bush Baptist, our purpose for existing is to connect people to Jesus and to each other. Well, we have a process for that. And the first step, if you partner with us, the first step that you're going to hear out of our mouths is that we must all be transformed. That's what Paul said. He said, hey, in order to control what you put in your mind, you have got to take every thought captive, not be transformed by the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a saying that I love and I often think about. I'm going to say the first part, and I want you to help me say the second part. Garbage in... Garbage out. You know, I think about that often because it's so true. And I'll talk with friends or people, and they'll just be sharing about, you know, what's going on or some of the things that they're allowing to enter into their minds. 
And man, I'll be honest with you, some of the stuff that we consume, some of the TV shows that we consume, some of the music that we consume, it's just garbage. And you know what happens is we become professional Christians. We're like, you know what? Back in the day, that would have affected me. But you know what? I've been in the church my whole life. And you know, now, now it doesn't affect me as much because I, I, I'm in a strong mind. I've got a filter. So like, I can watch that show that I'd be mortified if the rest of my family knew that I watched for the church. Like, I can watch that. I just get past that scene. Ah, I don't partake in that. Or, or you know, I listen to that music and it's, it's got some bad language. You know, it really doesn't affect me. You know what I got to say to that? Baloney. I don't care who you are. What you take in is what's going to come out. Garbage in, garbage out. Parents, I don't just want you to think about this in terms of yourself, but I want you to think about this in terms of your children. What are the things that you're allowing your children to be exposed to? The TV show on Netflix, the things on social media where they can delete the history, the things that they're constantly being exposed to. Because you see, there's not just a battle for your mind, but there is a battle for the control of their mind. And Paul says, hey, look, not only can you be transformed by the renewing of your mind, but I'll give you one further. You can know the will of God. Like one of the most popular questions that pastors get asked is, Pastor, what's God's will for my life? You know what? That's a good question because God's will is the direction that we go in life. A good will, a bad will, like everybody wants to know God's will. And Paul's like, hey, look, if you allow God to transform your mind, you can know God's will for your life. Last week we talked about putting on the full armor. And the most important part, in my opinion, is the helmet. The helmet of salvation. And the Bible tells us that when we become a Christian and salvation enters into our life, that is the switch. That's the thing. That's the old to new. Old self didn't have salvation. New self has been washed by the blood, and our minds are now covered with the helmet of salvation. You see, salvation is God's way of protecting us from harm. Salvation is God's way of protecting our minds. Somebody said, I thought you were going to put that helmet on. You know what? I might because it might cover up my bald spot, but it's not big enough. <laughs> salvation is our protection. It's what sets the standard in our life so that when God himself looks down from heaven, he doesn't see Joseph, sinner, but he sees saint, saved by grace. And God's given us the helmet so that he can protect us. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, one of the most fun moments of my life was when I got my first bicycle. Do you guys remember that? And when you get your first bike, you know, your mom and dad, they're like, okay, you got to start off in training wheels and you got to put your helmet on. Pastor Dennis informed me that uh, when he was around, the helmets didn't exist, okay? So if maybe helmets existed when you're around, maybe not, okay? Yeah, no judgment. But when I grew up, you had to get a helmet and you had to get your training wheels. Well, no kid wants training wheels. So you like, you learn, you know, like riding your own bike. Like, that's your first step of independence. Like, that's the first time, like, parents let you go and you do your own thing. And sure enough, after time, you get pretty good at riding the bike, and you start pedaling. You're like, oh, I got this. I got this. And you start going over little bumps. And sure enough, after a while, you're like, you know what? I don't need my training wheels anymore. I think I got to figure it out. As a matter of fact, I don't need my helmet either. And mom or dad like, be careful. Don't get ahead of yourself. Like, you're not as good as you think yet. You're like, I don't need this. So what do we do? We take the helmet off. We put it down. And we start going. We start riding. And then the first hill that we see, we're like, whoa. We start to lose control. And bam, we fall flat on our face. Because we got a little bit of a head of ourselves. 
See, sometimes we do that in life. We think, you know what? I'm not susceptible to that. I'm strong enough to handle it. And God says, I have given you this helmet of salvation to protect your mind. Remember, your thoughts control your life. You control your thoughts. But in order to change your thoughts, you must first control what you put in your mind. The third pillar this morning is this. Quit allowing people to tell you what to think. I'm going to say it again. Quit allowing people to tell you what to think. Proverbs chapter 14 says this. It says, the simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. You know, many of you know I'm a father now. And when you have a kid, like, it's so cool because you get to see the different life stages. And, and one of the most fun stages for kids is when they begin to develop a personality. And Lord bless kids, but they're so gullible. Do you remember some of the things that your parents used to tell you when you were a kid that weren't true, but you didn't know, and you believed it anyway? Things like, uh, if you eat a watermelon seed, a watermelon will grow inside your stomach, or, you know, chocolate milk comes, like, from brown cows, and, you know, all that stuff, and just stuff that, like, blew your mind, but wasn't true. Now some of you parents are like, yeah, I tell my kid that stuff. Well, one of my favorites that I like to have fun with with my nephew, because I'm older and I can do this, is he's one of those kids, and I'm sorry if I gross you out. I see him, I look at him, and he's hiding in the corner, and he starts digging for gold, and he's like searching and searching, and then he does the other thing, he pulls it out, he looks at it, and he eats his boogers, and I'm like, wow, like, oh, like, if you're a parent here, and you let your kid eat your boogers, you've got some problems, you need to go to counseling, like, come on, like, that's just gross, so you know what I do, I like to have a little fun with him, I'll go up and I'll be like, hey, buddy, you know that every time you eat a booger, the booger turns into a spider inside your stomach. And he gives me this look. And he says, no, I'm Joe Fizz. And I say, yo, huh, buddy, you've got spiders crawling up. And sure enough, he begins to walk over to Mama. And I can see the tears welling up in his eyes. And he says, oh, Mommy, Joe said I got spiders in my stomach. My sister-in-law, therefore, looks at me upset. I'm like, hey, don't let your kid eat his boogers, okay? <laughs> hey, it needs to be said. You know, I heard a story yesterday. I'll give you one better. I heard a story about a girl who pulled a very wrong and mean prank on her little sister. I'm not going to tell you who pulled this prank, <coughs> my wife. Um, but anyway, one day my wife and her older sister were sitting there, and they have a younger sister who's young and gullible. And uh, the sister thought she'd be a help and put cat food in the cat bowl because the cat was out of food. So she began spilling it up. Well, you know, those bags are heavy, so cat food starts spilling out everywhere. So what does my wife do? She says, oh, no, don't let the cat food out, because if the cat food spills out of the bowl, it's going to turn into bombs, and we're all going to die. And so her sister looks at her. She's like, what do I do? She's like, eat it, eat it now. So my poor sister-in-law, she's like eating cat food, throwing her mouth, chewing it, like making all these faces. About that time, my mother-in-law walks in, and she says, what in heaven's name is going on? And, uh, and uh, my sister-in-law looks at her and says, it's okay, Mom, I'm going to say it was all eating the cat food. And at that point, my wife says, boom, and she takes off. <laughs> Children, we're so gullible. And as funny as that sounds, we as adults are just as gullible. We'll believe anything. Some of you, you believe whatever Fox News tells you, or CNN, or Facebook. And I feel like we live in such a society today where people don't even, they don't even form their own opinions for themselves. You know, it's funny. We see all this turmoil and tension in our culture, but we only surround ourselves with people that think like us, that believe the same way we do. And we wonder why our nation is so divided. 
Like, have we really gotten so insecure and so sensitive about stuff that we can't even have a conversation with somebody that, dare I say, disagrees with us? Come on. Some of you today, you have people in your life, maybe it's a brother, a sister, a friend, and that friend says, oh, I love you. You're my best friend. And you know what happens? That person is toxic. And while they act like they have good intentions, really, their sole purpose is to tell you how to think. They want to tell you how to do, what to do. Sometimes they've got these hidden agendas, and while they may come and say, oh, I love you, you need to do this, and you need to do that, they may have good intentions, but they are just out to get what they want. And some of you today, you've got toxic people in your life that are giving you ungodly wisdom, that are telling you how you should handle your relationships and your finances and your marriage and your spiritual life. Folks, we can never take advice from people who struggle with the same things that we do. Like, that's the worst idea. They haven't figured it out, so what do they know that's going to help you figure it out? Solomon says the simple believe anything. Some of you today... You need to stop allowing people to dictate your thoughts and allow God to control your mind. But I love what Solomon says. He says, the prudent give thought to their steps. Haggai says, in Haggai 1 verse 5, he says, Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways, for you have planted much, but you harvest little. One of the things I want to challenge you to do today is to be intentional about what you let have your attention. Be intentional about what you allow to have your attention and what you allow to consume your thoughts and what you allow to enter into your mind. You see what Solomon and Haggai are saying? They say, hey, look, be intentional about your life. Be intentional about the things that you let come in. Don't just kind of take life as it comes and, well, whatever happens, we'll just see. No, make a plan. Don't just let any and everybody come speak into your life. But he said, hey, surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with godly people that will give you godly wisdom. Not from them, but from Scripture. People that will hold you accountable. He said we've got to be intentional. Because if we'll allow the Lord, he will shape our thoughts. See, Haggai... At the end of the verse, he says, you have planted much, but you harvest little. If you remember last year when we walked through the Bible and the story, at the end of the Old Testament, Israel was told to rebuild the temple. But they just got lazy and they didn't do it. And so Haggai is like, hey, God said you need to rebuild the temple and you're not doing it. And he says, for you have planted much, but you harvest little. Folks, do we do that in our lives? Do we allow... All these thoughts to consume our mind. Some of them sinful, some of them not. Some of them are good things. School, and sports, and all these other things. And we allow all this stuff to control our minds. But we, we, give, we put the spiritual things on the back burner. And then before you know it, we wonder why our children graduate high school and want nothing to do with the church. Because we've, we've told them all their life, hey, this is more important than faith. Now, well, every time you skip church for so-and-so, you're telling them that's more important than faith. Every time that all you talk is about is, well, you got to get to this grade, you got to that, that's good. But when you focus on that more than faith, you've got a problem. And he said, hey, you need to be intentional about what you let have your attention. 
You need to be intentional about what you let have your children's attention. We've got to have perspective. Because we don't want to be those people that plant so much, we pour so much time and energy, and then we get to the end of our life and we have nothing to show for it. The fourth pillar this morning is this. You can change the way you feel by changing the way you think. Jonah tells us in chapter 2, verse 7, he says, When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. You know, as pastors, we get to minister with people. And a lot of times I'll talk to people and I'll say, How you doing? How you feeling? And they're like, Man, Joseph, I'm not doing good. I feel terrible. I feel depressed. I feel just, just sick. And, and they can't figure out why they're in the pit. They're like, to be honest with you, if I could, I would just not go to work. I'd not come around my family. Uh, really what I want right now is to go in my room, shut the door, to shut everybody out, and just to be by myself. And, and what happens is we allow these thoughts to enter in our mind. And you see, all these things are connected. Your thoughts dictate how you feel. And how you feel dictates how you act. So the thoughts come into our mind. It affects how we're feeling. So we start feeling depressed and bad and, and bad about ourselves. And before you know it, we start lashing out at others. We start lashing out at our spouses. We start lashing out at our kids. You know what we think? We think, ah, nobody really knows what's going on. Let me tell you, when you're in a funk, everybody around you knows it. Because you're lashing out. You're setting fires everywhere. They can't talk to you without you blowing up. And before you know it, your family tiptoes around you. Because you're letting your thoughts dictate how you feel. And how you feel dictates how you act. I love what Paul says. He says, hey, you don't need to focus on the negative things, but in Philippians 4, a passage we read all the time, he says, brothers and sisters, focus on whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, holy, praiseworthy. Think on such things. This is why we have things like Christian radio. This is why if you miss a sermon, we put a podcast up for you. There's devotionals. There's Bible studies because we want you to take control of your mind. And he's saying, hey, quit focusing on the negative. Focus on the positive. Because if you focus on negative thoughts, your outcome will be negative. Some of you say, okay, I hear what you're saying, Joseph. So you don't understand. I've dealt with depression my whole life. You think it's just easy? Just as easy as, oh, Stop thinking that way and it will go away. You think that's how it works? To you, I would say this. There are some things that we will battle in life that you can't just put a band-aid on. There are some things that are going to take a lifetime, a daily surrender to God. They're going to take a lifetime of seeking counsel. Let me tell you, if you're that person today, it is okay not to be okay. For whatever reason, this has become a taboo topic in the church. And we feel like when we come to church, we've got to present the good side of us. Well, I'm here today to tell you that people are messy. People have problems. And you and I, we're all hurting people. And if you're not, if you're not okay, get help. At Burning Bush here, we, wanna, we don't want to judge you. We want to wrap our arm around you and partner with you. And help you seek help. And help you walk through it in life. Help encourage you. Help provide you accountability. Because there is a way out. We can change the way we feel by changing the way we think. The fifth pillar this morning is this. There is a war going on 
from my mind and my thoughts. Paul tells us in Romans 7. Paul's an expert, if you can't tell, on this topic. He says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Paul said, hey, look, I keep warning you. I'm telling you, there is spiritual warfare going on. And no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been in the church, we each have problems with sin. Paul himself, one of the greatest Christians that ever walked the earth, he said, man, the things that I hate are the things that I find myself doing. Like we talked about last week, if you do not learn to control your sin and everybody has sin, if you don't learn to control that sin, your sin will control you. Because I'm here today to tell you that the enemy, Satan, he's on the move. Peter, the one who was Jesus' best friend, but turned on God so many times. Peter says this, hey, you better be alert. You better have sober mind because the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. Did you know that every time you sin, you're believing a lie? I want you to think about that for a second. Every time you commit a premeditated sin, you're committing a lie. Think back through the examples that we see in the Old Testament. Eve in the garden. Eve believed that if she ate the fruit, she believed the lie that she would know just as much as God. Judas. Judas believed that if I turn on Jesus and I betray him, that that 30, 40 shekels of silver will satisfy the financial need that I feel in my life. What about King David? Man after God's own heart. David believed that if he had an affair and committed adultery with Bathsheba, that that would fulfill his sexual need. And no matter what it is, whether it's control, or whether it's power, Satan's like, oh, you want more power in your job, don't you? You want to tell them what to do. Oh, you want to lord that power over your family. That craving, that lie that he's telling us, it leaves us empty every single time. And something I challenge you to do this morning, the next time you're tempted, and you can feel that Satan is trying to set you up for a trap, you know what happens when you allow your mind to be transformed over a lifetime? You begin to get stronger. You begin to grow in your maturity. And pretty soon after riding that bike for long enough, you can take the training wheels off because you are prepared. And you know what happens? We're not gullible like kids anymore. We become prepared for battle. We say, you know what, Satan? I see what you're trying to do here. I see this booby trap that you set up for me, and I'm not going to step in it. I know that you, you had that lady at work say that just because just you thought you could set me off. I'm not falling for it anymore. Why? Because my thoughts don't control me. I control my thoughts. And pretty soon, you begin to see the plan that the enemy has. And you see how he's coming after you. Parents, let me tell you again. He's not just coming after you. He's coming after your kids. He's coming after your family. You've got to build a home that is grounded on God and faith. So how do we fight this battle? How can we win this war? The sixth pillar this morning is this. In order to win the war for my mind, I must carry my sword into battle. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. He says, For though we live in the world, 
We do not wage war as it does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive, underline that in your Bible if you got it, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what God's telling us is, he said, hey, look, this spiritual warfare, this isn't the stuff that you're used to, okay? We don't use like knives and machine guns, no. We use a different type of weapon. And if you call yourself a Christian and you wear the name of Christ, you have access to the most powerful and strong supernatural sword and thing ever imaginable. You have access to God's word. Last week we talked about it. The sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit is God's word. And this is how we fight our battles right here. We fight our battles in the morning starting on our knees in prayer. We fight our battles in the quiet place when we're allowing God to shape our mind. And Paul's like, hey, you've got to use this weapon that you have because it's not just any weapon. Hebrews 4, he says, hey, the word of God that you have access to, it's alive, and it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, for it penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Catch this, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. So how can we filter out the bad? God's word is our filter for life. God's word is our protection. It's our defense, and if we'll let it, God's word will shape our life. Seventh and final pillar this morning. In order to win the war within my mind, I must learn to think like Jesus. How did Jesus think? What were the things that Jesus thought about? John tells us. He said, to the Jews who had believed, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then and only then, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So folks, how do we become like Jesus? How do we win the war within our mind? See, we know that in the beginning was the Word. We know that Jesus, in the beginning, was with God, and Jesus was the Word. Folks, in order to win the battle, and in order to think like Jesus, we must get into the Word so that the Word can get into us. We've got to take our weapon into battle. Jesus says, for I am the Word. He says, whatever you got to do, maybe you need this year to set some holy habits. Maybe you need to make some new disciplines. One of the things that I challenge myself this year is scripture memory. Every week I'll read a chapter a day. I'm reading through Romans right now. And whatever chapter I'm reading that day, I'll pick a verse on Monday, and I will put it on my lock screen on my phone, and I will memorize it that week. Why do I do that? Because when I face a tough situation, and my mind wants to think negative thoughts, you know what the first thing that I want to come to my mind is? Scripture. The first, the verse I learned last week is, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God within me. The power of God that comes through God's word. And in order to get the word into us, we must get into the word. Maybe we need to make some new habits today. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet 
and a light unto my path. God's word is a lamp to them. So I don't know where you are in your life. Maybe you say, you know what, Joseph, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've born and raised and baptized at this church. But maybe today some of you say, you know what, there's some particular thoughts that have taken over my mind. The enemy has made his way in, and it is destroying me inside. Friend, if that's you today, I challenge you. Maybe during this time of commitment, maybe you just need to come up and pray. You need to find a, bro a fellow brother or sister and say, hey, can you pray for me? Can you pray for my mind? Some of you parents, I challenge you. Come up here with your children. Pray over your children that their mind would, would be, be able to fight against these evil things that are trying to attack them, that are trying to control the way that they think. Remember, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. God says, hey, I've given you everything you need. I've given you a church family that loves you, that will put their arm, walks, walk right beside you. I've given you my word. you just got to obey. Maybe today somebody says, you know what? I'd like to think the way Jesus does, but I can't. Because if I'm being honest, I don't know Jesus at all. Maybe you've never been to church before. Maybe you've been to church your whole life. It doesn't matter. If you have never accepted Christ as your personal Lord, and you do not wear that helmet of salvation, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. And I challenge you in this time of response, would you come up and talk to me? Come up to talk to Pastor Dennis or Billy. Come up to talk to your small group leader, your friend who invited you, somebody. Because we want to tell you about how you can gain salvation. So today, your thoughts control your life. And in this moment, may you take control of your thoughts. May you control what you put in your mind. May you quit allowing people to dictate the way you think. May we no longer be held in captivity by Satan, but may we take every thought captive. May we get into the words the word can get into us. And may we learn 